Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Coming up on NBA Today, the Lakers, the Clippers, they both bounced back with big wins last night. But did they prove that they're both contenders in a stacked Western Conference? And sticking in the West, Zion Williamson, he stole the show last night with a near-perfect performance. Are we ready to believe in New Orleans once again? I know somebody who is. Plus, has anyone checked the date? It's 11-30-23. Those are the numbers from the Warriors' big three. But is this the end of the dynasty era in the Bay? NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. He is senior writer Zach Lowe. He is our veteran analyst, Tim Legler. He is our senior writer, Brian Windhorst. Coming off of a major collapse, the Clippers, they had an interesting one last night against the Sacramento Kings. Let's show you how this one went down. This was really the James Harden coming out game for the Clippers here. Tied game early. Remember the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. They had to exert so much energy coming back against the Golden State Warriors, and James Harden's act took full advantage. Yeah, first big scoring game as a Clipper. Everybody shot well, and this starting lineup is absolutely killing it so far. James Harden pulls up once again, another three after intercepting that pass. He had 17 points in the first quarter. He finished with a season-high 26. But then, you know, there's a big four on this team. It is Kawhi Leonard's turn, so let's go ahead here to the second quarter. Kawhi. Ooh, spicy. We haven't seen some hops like that from him in a while, Tim. Nice little two-footed bounce on the weak side slash and then some one-footed bounce right there going down the middle and throwing it down with authority. Well, just in case you thought it was a fluke, he had to do it a couple of times throughout the course of this game. Kawhi, watch him here, goes up strong. Crafty finish there. In the second quarter, Kawhi had 12 points. In the third quarter, he had 11 points on 5 of 6 shooting, a perfect 5 of 5 in the second. De'Aaron Fox, though, he did all he could in this one. The fourth quarter here, De'Aaron Fox, he hits the three. Fox had a game-high 40 points, but then, on the other hand, Kawhi, Nice little turnaround jumper there, and he gets that one to go. He had a team-high 34 points. The Clippers win 131-117. Here's Ty Lue after the game. I think James was wanted to prove to y'all that, you know, he is James Harden, you know, and so he can do that, you know, on a nightly basis. It's coming around. Like I said, you know, we had a, the tough loss against Denver. Everybody's, you know, talking about that. But I still got positivity in this team. I mean, it's, it's time that we try to start to build something out here um, and, and get a streak going, going the other way. It's time to try to build something. Well, they had their best game of the season against the Kings. Los Angeles had season highs in points and field goals and shooting. James Harden put up a season best 26 points. The Clippers, they had it all going on offense. But don't look now. They've won five of their last seven as we say hello to Kendrick Perkins. Perk, did you buy that this really is the blueprint for what can be for the Clippers last night for them to contend? <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. And I said it earlier today on first take. What you, what you, what you want me to do? Applaud a fish for swimming? I cannot do that. Here's why, Malika. Okay, the Sacramento Kings were, on a, were, off, were coming off a of back-to-back. 
okay, were in a brawl fight with the Golden State Warriors. The Clippers were well-rested, coming off a horrible loss against the Denver Nuggets. Of course, they were going to come out there and respond. And here's the thing, right? I understand James Harden, he had his best game in the Clippers uniform, but he didn't remind us who he was because we're playing the league today where any given night we can see any guy go for 20-plus. We just saw DeAndre Jordan do it to them a couple nights ago. So, again, with the Clippers and when it comes down to James Harden especially, I want to see what happens when it matters the most. I need to see it happen in the postseason. Did they play great basketball, good basketball yesterday? Yes, but they did play a Sacramento team that was fatigued. Yeah, Malika, when I watch this game, I I know it's so easy and important to focus on what James Harden's doing. You're mm-hmm. focusing on Paul George's health. You're looking at how is Westbrook handling the role change. But to be honest with you, for the Clippers to do anything this season, it's got to be Kawhi Leonard getting back to the player that he was at the end of last year. And that's what I saw last night. And that's the thing. Kawhi Leonard did not have a good start to this season. It's been covered up by the other stuff going on with the Clippers. That mid-range jump shot that was always going in, it didn't go in as much. His scoring was down. So when you see him play a game like this, where he's lively on those legs, where he looks like his knee is feeling better, and you hear him talk about how he's feeling better playing through back-to-backs, that is what's most important. All the rest of the stuff matters, but none of it is going to be a difference maker unless Kawhi Leonard is an elite player. He was an elite player in this game. If he plays like this, obviously the sky's the limit for them. To me, it feels like some sort of combination of what you all are saying, because I think it's fair to be like, okay, this is exciting, right? James Harden, maybe this is the potential of what he could be. He has 26 points in this one. We've seen Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play in 17 consecutive games, the most since they've been teammates but also the most consecutive games that Kawhi Leonard has played since 2017. He's changed teams in that time. He won a championship in that time. Like, that is a long time that we have seen this. But at the same time, there is so much at stake for this team. And just, what, three, four days removed from that terrible loss to Denver, it's sort of like I feel like we're on a little bit of a roller coaster with the Clippers that until it's when it matters, because the expectations are so high, the bill is so expensive, and and the stakes are there, it sort of feels like I don't know what to make of this one, Zach. Well, here's where it matters. Perk mentioned the playoffs. And, like, well, let's hit the brakes for a second. Clippers are eight and nine. They got to make the playoffs. And Kawhi Leonard, 14 of 18 last night. The whole thing is built on the notion that he's the best player on the team. Mm. Ty Lue said it after they acquired James Harden. This is Kawhi Leonard's team. He has not been the best player on the team this season. And in fact, the degree to which Paul George has been the best player on the team is actually kind of alarming until last night when Kawhi looked like Kawhi in terms of explosion. But look, Two wins against the Spurs ain't doing anything for me. Rockets, who haven't won a road game, that's not doing much for me. Kings on a back-to-back, that's nice. Their win against Dallas was a good, solid win. You know what I need to see? More good, solid wins. What did Ty Lue say after the game last night? We made quick decisions. We shot catching through threes fast. We attacked closeouts. Now we got to do it again and again and again. Three agains. So I got to see a lot of agains. Well, one thing I'll say, this starting five with Terrence Mann, plus 64 in 126 minutes. That is a monster, monster number. 
Here's what you take from last night. I'm going to echo a little bit of what each of these guys are saying because they're, they're all right. Perk's 100% right. Just call me in March about this team. Right. That's when you're really going to be interested in the Clippers, what they look like. And also, I think, you know, you take a look at, at Kawhi Leonard. We're all right. Hey, this is what it needs to look like. My point on the Clippers all along has been Harden doesn't really move the needle for me with this team because if you believe in the Clippers, there's one reason you do. It's because you believe that Kawhi Leonard is going to be able to stay healthy and play 70 games in the regular season and be ready for two months in the postseason. If you believe that, then you, what you saw last night is this. You can't dismiss this team if Kawhi Leonard looks like that. You just can't. There's too much talent. And even the, the, the other role players that they have, Zubac, Terrence Mann, like those guys fit in so well with what they do. They were yeah. great last night as well. That's really all that was because that was James Harden, best version of himself now, reading the right opportunities, when yep. to shoot, when to be a facilitator. Nothing about him. Did you watch the game and go, what is he doing right now? Which is what I feel like I've been doing most of the last couple of years. Still, it's all about the postseason with James yep. Harden. We know that. But at least last night, he looked comfortable. They meshed well together. Kawhi looked great. And they're just a reminder, hey, don't dismiss us. If you no. do, it's at your own peril. But we can't really get serious about this team until after the All-Star break. Yeah, this is a team that is judged in April, in May, in June. It's not a team that's judged against the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. -back. But if this is a flash of what's to come versus what we saw against the Denver Nuggets the other day, then hey, maybe we got something. But LA, the Clippers, they were not the only Los Angeles team that needed a bounce-back win last night. Let's get to the Los Angeles Lakers. They are in the middle of a four-game road trip. Last night, they were in Detroit against the Pistons, who entered the night on a 14 game losing streak. D'Angelo Russell finds Anthony Davis. Davis had 28 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks in this one. The Lakers up now. LeBron James throwing it down there. Lakers up 65-48 at half, but then halfway through the third quarter here, watch LeBron James. He gets caught up a little bit here. He gets in front of Isaiah Stewart. He was hoping for it looked like a charge call there. Instead, though, He's going to receive a technical for flopping. They have some history, remember, Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James. Some yeah. bloody history, actually. <laughs> yes, they do. He did his best to sell that call, uh, but didn't quite get his way on that one. And then under five minutes to left here, though, LeBron James, year 21. I feel like we need to keep reminding people this is insane what he's doing. It, uh, it defies logic. It defies biomechanics. It defies a lot of things what LeBron <laughs> is doing. But look, the bottom line with this game is if, if you're sick, you want the Pistons at like an antibiotic. If you're having some problems, and so now this is how you get better. The Lakers needed this. D'Angelo Russell didn't have many problems. 35 points, 13 of 17 from the field, nine assists. Lakers win. Here's LeBron James. We have to improve a lot. We're only 19 games in, so you know we have to continue to improve no matter what. We're not even uh, probably 19, 38, 38, 76. So we're not even a fourth way through the season yet. So we got a lot, a lot more room to improve. So the trio of LeBron, Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, they made some Lakers history. For the second time this season, they all went for over 25 points. It's the first time that any Lakers trio has gone for more than 25 multiple times in a season since Magic, Worthy, and Byron Scott. That was in 1988-89. So obviously the Lakers, they can't necessarily always rely on this sort of consistency from D'Angelo Russell. We just haven't seen that yet this year. But Brian, do you think the Lakers are going to be able to maybe string something together here where it feels like they can at least play at this level on a regular basis? basis. Well, that's the big test. I mean, I almost would argue that the most important thing that happened in this game was they were able to rest their starters because they've got the quick turnaround back-to-back -to -back tonight in Oklahoma City. And if right. you want to do something with this Lakers group, 
you got to put together wins like this. you got to go into Oklahoma City and win a game. Now, they got the in-season tournament next week, and that's like their shining star. They were like awesome. They were the best in-season tournament team in group play. But they've also dropped some games that are inexplicable. And there's your Los Angeles Lakers. Inconsistency squared. And look, D'Angelo Russell was awesome last night, but throughout his entire career, he's been inconsistent. Let's see him shoot that, that kind of um, way again tonight in Oklahoma City against a much stiffer test. That's really the thing about this Lakers, and that's what LeBron is saying there. He's saying, we don't know what we are yet. We still got to prove that. Man, it must be nice to beat the Lakers. You beat the Pistons. You've lost 15 games in a row, and you get a whole segment on national TV because you went into Detroit <laughs> and beat the Pistons. Well done, Lakers. Look, I like this team. I think they're better than their record. They're 11 and 8. They're better than their record. There's a toughness and a competitiveness that I like about them. It's always going to come down to offense. They're 24th in offensive efficiency. That's just not good enough. They were a bad offense last year, and they won despite that, and they hit about the limit that they could get with the bad offense. So every night, I want the process to be right. I'm going to check the results. 24th isn't good enough. Getting healthy against the Pistons does nothing for me, but it wins a win. Let's see it going forward. I just think they're a team that's going to have a rocky road in the regular season because you know, what they're thinking about is different than these regular season games, right, against most teams in the league. If they dig themselves holes, they're going to have a hard time digging out a lot of nights to find that. Where are you going to find that grind? Yep. Because you're thinking about something much bigger later in the year if you're LeBron James, Anthony Davis. So regular season, you're going to have some nights, not necessarily 44-point losses like against Philly, where, you know, that embarrassing. But you're going to have nights where you play some young legs and they get up and down the floor and you're just not going to be able to match that firepower. But in the slower games, the physical games, I think that's when they, to Zach's point, that's when they remind you they still do have these presences, right, that can win any matchup any single night. And I like the additions they made in the offseason as well. They're a lot like the Clippers in that. Talk to me about them in March. Let's Probably see where they still. are in March. All that said about the Lakers, and I just said I like the Lakers. I think they're better than their record. Yeah. We keep saying this about the Lakers and the Clippers. Well, talk to us in May, June, yeah. April, these springtime months when the weather is nice. The <laughs> Lakers are 11-8, and eight, and the Clippers are 8-9. and nine. The West affords you nothing, no margin for error. Like, it's cool to say, we, let's talk to us in April, May, and June. Minnesota looks like they're going to play. Denver, Dallas, Oklahoma City. There's a lot of teams. We can't just, like, pencil in these guys for right. playoff, you know, home games or something. Well, That's all. Well, well, I keep hearing the word like when it comes down to the Lakers. We all like the Lakers, but what's going to make us love the Lakers and say, you know what? They can actually compete with the Denver Nuggets in the seven-game series and not get swept, right? And, and the thing is, is this. We look at D'Angelo Russell, and you look at uh, Anthony Davis last night, two totally, two totally completely different players from what we saw in the Philadelphia 76ers game. So why I say that is, is that, yes, D'Lo, you could go out there and drop 30-plus on the lottery team, but what are you going to do when it's time for you to elevate your game against a contender? The same thing with Anthony Davis, right? We know what you're going to bring on a night-to-night basis now on the defensive side. We know that you're going to pull down 11 to 15 rebounds a game. We know that you're going to get close to three block shots. Offensively, how much of a threat are you going to be when you go against Jokic or you go against Sabonis? Are you going to be running the floor like you did last night, deep stealing in the paint, demanding, asking for the t- the ball, shooting the jump hook? Like, 
Those are the things that when LeBron said we have room to improve, that's yeah. what he's talking about. Again, he didn't walk into Detroit last night, Malika saying, oh, okay, yeah, we get this win tonight. It's going to show great steps. Move. It's going to show improvement for us moving forward. No, yeah. LeBron want to see when we go against them heavy hitters, how are these guys going to act? It's that word on the bottom of your screen, consistency, reliability. You can't lose by 44 and then win by 26 because it leaves people going, okay, what is this Lakers team? Because at their best, maybe that's just against Pistons when they're playing Philadelphia. But that is that the real Lakers? We don't know yet. And in the West, you just don't have that much time to find out. We're going to stick in the West coming up here on NBA Today because Zion Williamson, he stole the show with a near-perfect night from the field. Can Zion still left to live up to his superhuman hype? that has been built over the last couple of years. And it is 11-30-23. That's otherwise known as the Warriors' Big Three Day. But has their time run out? Tim Legler and Kendrick Perkins debate what's next for the four-time NBA champions. Plus, speaking of big threes, Perk, it's that time of the week. It's time for your big list of best big threes in NBA history. Don't miss that and so much more. NBA Today will be right back. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Welcome back, Zion Williamson. He stole the show last night in the Big Easy. This was what we have been hoping for, waiting for from Zion Williamson. It was just the Zion show, Zach. Just get out of his way. Peak Zion, there's just nothing you can do to keep him from the rim except hope he misses or foul him. <laughs> CJ McCollum somehow finds Zion Williamson, goes up strong, gets that one to go. This is just, this is what we've been waiting to see. And the Pelicans have so much room to grow here, but this is what makes this young man so exciting to watch. Herb Jones drops it off to Zion, slams it down with two hands, going ahead to the third quarter here. Didn't slow down in the second half. How did he get that back? I don't know. Good things happen when you're built like a tank and can run like a linebacker. <laughs> well, good things happen when CJ McCollum is on your team. Find Zion again there and gets that one to go. Zion just scoring from everywhere on the floor here. A little give and go with CJ once Uh-oh. again. Connects for the slam. And then we need to get one more look at this one. Under a minute left to go here. Zion from Valanchunas. 
New Orleans rolls 124-114. Zion was going hard in the paint Wednesday against Philly. I mean, look at the shot chart. He was nearly perfect from the floor. He actually was, and then some things got retroactively changed. His furthest shot from the floor was just nine feet away. Tim Legler, what did you see from Zion? Well, look, we know that this guy is special. He's unique. He's a one-off. And and here's some of the reasons why. We know they've got Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum. He's got talent around him. But what differentiates the Pelicans is Zion Williamson. And there's a couple of things he did in this one that really stood out to me. Here's the first one. You know, Zion, you know he wants to get left. And you can see defensively, they're trying to line up and shading him on this side because you're just hoping you can force him into here where, as you can see, there's all kinds of traffic. I mean, this is about as walled up as you're going to get. But somehow, someway, Zion Williamson always finds a way to get to his left hand. And that's exactly what he's going to do here. But what happens at the end of this is what I want to show you because this is different for Zion. This is special. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this might be the best pass Zion Williamson's ever thrown in his life. And I'm talking about this is Luka stuff. This is LeBron stuff. This is LaMelo Ball. There's very few guys that can make this pass. Jump in the air, two hands as a shot blocker at the rim. Zion, the easy play probably would have been the kick out to this wing. But instead, he's going to wrap it around the defender. And look where he hits C.J. McCollum. This is dead in his chest. Perfect delivery, making them pay for loading up five guys in the rim. And then it's the quickness for a guy this size and how he takes advantage of, of improper positioning. You can see right now, they got this defended pretty good at the start. you got traffic over here to guard the ball screen. It's the third defender, the guard guarding Zion. Looking at the weak side of the floor because he thinks, you know, Zion is not going to shoot the ball from out here. It's not a threat if it gets swung. I have time to recover. This is where he's different. Zion's going to catch this basketball when it gets reversed. Ball gets swung. Watch how quickly he's one step and he's at the rim before you can get any help, any sort of rotation. And he knows there's one thing on the backside most guys aren't willing to do. In this case, it's Tyrese Maxey. Are you going to lay out and take 300 pounds in your chest and draw this charge? No, probably not. He's going to stunt and get back, and that gives Zion Williamson this alley to the lane, and now you got an and one. He gets in these little gaps with his speed and his strength. It's so different. It's so unique. And now that C.J. McCollum's back, Let's see if the New Orleans Pelicans can start to climb that chart in the Western Conference. Right, because currently they sit at eighth in the Western Conference, a record of 10-9. and nine, But what we're seeing from Zion is so encouraging. I guess, Zach, he was built up so much leading into his draft and in the time since, and obviously injuries and other things have kept him from living up to that potential. Do you think with the play that we're seeing now, there is still that possibility that this impossible hype, and I don't love that term, it's really nebulous, but can he live up to that? When he plays, he's an all-NBA player, period. That's yeah. the only issue is he, he hasn't played. Now he's playing. And this, to me, is the single most intriguing team in the West in terms of, like, those teams in the middle of the stage where you just don't know what you got. I think they have done fantastic work to be 10-9, and nine, given half their team is always injured. Zion is playing great, playing better every night. CJ's back. Trey Murphy's coming back. Our Woj just reported that. This team is all of a sudden going to have way more shooting around Zion with CJ and Trey Murphy the third. Way more depth. Lots of lineups they can go to. This is a sleeping giant in the Western Conference, potentially. A really good team is in here somewhere right. if they can stay healthy. They were at the top of the West, essentially, through early January of last season. That's when Zion Williamson got hurt. Where do you fall on this, Perk? I mean, it's simple for me. He's playing with such joy. Great joy. He's having fun. When was the last time we, we, we witnessed Zion Williamson actually have fun on the floor. I see him high-fiving. I see him smiling. I see him playing with emotions. 
It, it seems to me that all the off-court distractions are gone, and he's actually doing what he's supposed to do and use his brothers that are on the floor with him along with the game of basketball as his sanctuary. And if you could get this version of Zion, a guy that you could put on at, at any position on the floor, meaning in his spots. I love how Willie yeah. Green uses it. You can't figure him out. If you want him to play the dunker spot, he could do that. If you want to put uh, put him at the elbow action, he could do that. Whatever you want him to do, he could do it. But it's just the joy for me, watching mm. him play with that passion, that positive emotions. And it seems like they, they found a little bit of success in the point Zion model, too. We saw some of it under Van Gundy. We're seeing it again with Willie Green now. It seems like if, knock on wood, they can stay healthy. You like, like you said, sleeping giant in the West. Um, let's go Zach, to the East you next. At? You know what, Perk? We never know. Despite the loss last night, we're going to dive into the emergence of Tyrese Halliburton, Tyrese Maxey, and how it's impacted one of the biggest question marks of the offseason. Will Joel Embiid stay with the 76ers? Plus, it's the Warriors' big three-day, and that means it's 11-30-23. But could this be Steph Clay and Draymond's last dance as a trio? Our panel looks at what's ahead and we can't talk about big threes without big perk doing a big list i'm here in perk that you have some spicy answers on who lands there we'll be right back It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome back to NBA Today, presented by ESPN Bet. Have you looked at today's date? It's November 30th, 23, a.k.a. 11-30-23, the trio of numbers that mirrors the digits worn by the most prolific trio in NBA history, or at least one of them, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. They dominated the basketball landscape. And actually, if you add all those numbers up, it's 64. Six is the number of finals they went to. Four is the number of championships they won through their 11 years as teammates. But... This season, it really has a drastically different feel so far. It'll be the first time that the Dubs Big Three will enter December with a sub-500 record, and their frustration, it's pretty clear. Right now, we're just in a, in a little bit of a rut. We have to make adjustments 
can't just keep doing the same thing. Uh, we just got to get more organized. We're not doing a great job of getting organized. This team is sliding, and the margin for error is Zippo in the West. Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson can't make a shot. Is Clay Thompson going to be able to get back to that level? What do you, you want me to bench me? Clay has an average under 15 since his rookie season. Sometimes you earn these things like patience and time to find yourself. So with that as the backdrop, this question was brought up in a production meeting a couple of weeks ago, Legs, and I wasn't sure any of us were quite ready to go there. But yesterday, Zach said that it feels like we're as close as we've ever been to saying, okay, is this it for the Golden State Warriors trio with everything that we've saw? How close do you feel like we are to that point? Yeah, we're pushing in that direction. You know what it is? There's more reasons than ever to think that because it's, it's a collective. It's not just one thing or one guy or you're wondering like because they needed all those pieces to fit and one of them maybe is hurt or struggling. This is permeating throughout their entire yeah. roster. Now their depth is even affected. Um, they're going to miss Gary Payton for a while. Chris Paul's banged up. Who, you know, and his question's always been availability when you need him the most. Clay's struggling. Wiggins hasn't played great. You know, so when you add it all up, the totality of it, you feel like the only thing keeping their head above water is number 30. We still believe in him, and so we're holding on to it. But definitely, for the first time, you're starting to really doubt whether they are going to be able to get this together and be relevant in a, an actual legitimate threat in the mm. Western Conference in the second half of the year. I think it's fair to think that right now based on the way that they've looked. And the only reason we don't shut the book entirely is because of Curry. He's the one guy that's keeping this thing going. Curry and the cachet maybe that has been built up. Look, I think their true level is closer to the 6-2 and two start than whatever has come since. Just because of the chaos of Draymond being suspended, five games, everyone other than Steph pretty much underperforming. I think they're better than they've been lately, maybe not quite as good as that 6-2 and two start. And that's, that's the worry. Legitimate threat is the term we just used. To be a legitimate threat, which I take as like you're in the conference finals or capable of doing it, you got to beat three other legitimate threats in the Western Conference, which is loaded with very good, if not great teams yet, other than Denver, but very good, very good, very good, very good. Like, it's hard to beat one of those teams four times in seven games. The Warriors still are, they're going to have a run where they look more like that six and two team. That's going to happen. I want to see more Moses Moody. I think he can help them have that run. But closer to that six and two team is still not going to be good enough to get where they still think they can go and want to go. They've got to hit another level, and I'm not sure internally they have the, the, the talent on hand to do it, but we'll see. They're going to give it every shot they have. We have to switch things up. We have to switch things up. We look unorganized, and I have to find myself. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would hear the Golden State Warriors say those type of things. And it came from Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. We just heard the clip. And so my thing is, what is the problem? We're talking about a, a group that has been together, a big three that has been together and delivered four championships. What do you mean we have to get organized? What do you mean we have to switch some things up? What do you mean I have to find myself? You are who you are. And at the end of the day, when I see this, it's what, like, I'm trying to understand which direction are they going in, right? Like, this is not the same culture we're accustomed to seeing. Like, we're seeing guys all over the place. At times, you can see the frustration on Steph Curry's uh, face. We, you can see Steve Kerr getting frustrated with Draymond. You want Draymond to be Draymond, but damn, at some point, you still got to go out there and deliver. And Clay is a whole nother story. So, again, I'm with Zach. 
the four M's, Moses Moody, more minutes. Like, he needs to be out there. You drafted this guy in the lottery. Every time you put him on the floor, he's producing. When are you going to combine the two? And I can't harp on this enough of actually still competing for a title and actually building for the future at the same damn time. Guys, there's three things that I think are true about the Warriors. Number one, they have earned the right for us to believe that they can turn this around and still compete to get this done, without Uh question. Number two, ever since that night in Boston two years ago, this team has been regressing. And that, frankly, includes not having the offense without Jordan Poole. They may not miss Jordan Poole in the locker room, but they miss him on the court. That's just the truth at this point. And the third truth is this is a $226 million payroll. It cannot continue. And I'm not talking about whether or not Joe Lacob and his partners can afford it. With the new rules, with the penalty of the second apron, it handicaps you to be on team building and recovering and changing your roster when you're in that level. If you are not competing right or be right there to win a championship, you cannot stay in the second apron. It's not feasibly possible. So this is going to work itself out one way or another. They're either going to be that type of team or they're going to be forced to make major changes because they can't stay up there under the current under the new current rules. Park. You know, one of these, you know, one major piece has already left the dynasty already. And he's actually working over here to, with the network with, with with us, and that's Bob Myers. Okay, he's a big part of that culture. So just when I just when I think about how unorganized they look, I, I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not willing to sit up here and say that the Warriors are going to turn this around. Andrew Wiggins right now he looks not interested in the game of basketball. Yes, he will show up occasionally, like he did against the Kings. But his love, his joy, I'm starting to question that now. He's had two big contracts. He got his championship ring. Like, I don't see that same fire that I saw when he first got to the Golden State Warriors. And that's another problem. Well, look, when you talk about disorganized, they're throwing the ball all over the gym and they're fouling everybody who moves. And those two things are baked into the way they play and have been for years but are also correctable with like a little bit of attention to detail. And I think when you hear them talk about frustration and finding ourselves, that's the kind of stuff they're talking about. Those two turnovers they had at the end of that Kings game are awful turnovers. They're above that, or they should be above that, and those things are correctable. But look, I just... We use the word dynasty a lot. Can I just be the little dessert in the punch bowl for a second? Zach, 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 Liggs, Malika, Wendy, can I ask y'all a question? Watching, yeah, sure, Perk. Watching the Warriors game, have I have I been the only person to have watched that they're getting called for more illegal screens than any other team in the league? That little hip butt screen, they're getting called for that now. Well, back in two years ago, they was getting away with that. Like, yeah, you're right. You have to switch that up. Like, teams yeah. have caught on to that. Am I the only they person noticing well that? That's per- a big per- part of their answer, offense. To answer your question, they are well aware of that internally and are kind of thinking about why is that happening and is it because for whatever reason roster turnover age whatever we're not quite as smooth and as good at running all the beautiful game stuff that's dominated the league for 10 years it's a discussion they're having but those kind of like you're talking about making big 
structural changes to an offense that has worked and is it's built around an all-time great player, the greatest movement shooter ever. That is still playing at, at a, that caliber yeah. that Tim says, okay, like there are bits and pieces here that make you still believe in that term yeah. that we were talking about, dynasty, whatever the, the, the case may be here. And by the way, is still one of the most difficult offenses to Ooh. defend, period, yeah. because of the number of reads and communications you have to make defensively with all of those screens. Like no, no team in the league has more screens set by their guards than the Golden State Warriors. I mean, guards set screens you force an awful lot of communication and then you rely on teams to make mistakes and now difference is when teams would make mistakes in the past yep. it ends up in the hands of guys that are shooting ding, at that ding, rate ding, ding. and that ball is not going into that extent so now you start to the offense looks different it's still an offense that's incredibly difficult to defend they're just not getting those the, the, the result at the end of these possessions that yep. they are used to ironically to your point about the turnovers too Every single person you talk to in the preseason about getting Chris Paul, that was the reason. We can't throw the ball over to Jim. We need to get Ball smarter. security, smarter, more quality possessions, right? And yet you look at when they're playing poorly, it looks the same way. And Steve Kerr said it before the season, we aren't good enough anymore to throw the ball over the gym and overcome it with our firepower. He said that out of his own mouth. So he knows right there. They've taken a little bit of a step back overall because, because of the age and decline and not having the depth. So they're, they've got to be better with the ball, and when they're not, it looks just like it has in the past several years. That's been true since the second Kevin Durant walked out the door. And that's what I was going to say before. Is this a dynasty? Maybe it's a dynasty, depending on your definition of a dynasty. Where they had that dude, yep. it was a foregone conclusion. If they were healthy, they could not be beat. They won two titles with him and then two titles separated by a lot of years without. And we can quibble about the definition, yep. but that's a name we don't bring up anymore. They were unbeatable with him. And since he left, that's when their margin for error went away. We can nickel and dime like we, you talked about. There's a couple of teams in the NBA that when they win, they go on a five-game winning streak the world is great. When right. they go on a five-game losing streak, the world is ending. The Clippers and the Warriors, they face off tonight. It feels like a game Ooh. where, once again, you can learn a whole bunch about who both of these teams are. But in the West, that margin, it just feels like the Warriors need to figure it out and figure it out fast because they just do not have this type of time with the age, the lacking and firepower that you're talking about to waste. Um, you know who has had a lot of firepower this season? Tyree Maxey. He has been the key to success for the 76ers. But find out why he could also also be the reason why Joel Embiid wins a second straight MVP. That's next on NBA Today. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey. You never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. We're just weeks into this year, and the news is already nonstop. Two overseas wars, a presidential election already testing the democratic process, a former president in court. It can feel impossible to keep up with, but we can help. I'm Brad Milkey, the host of Start Here, the daily podcast from ABC News. Every morning, my team and I get you caught up on the day's news in a quick, straightforward way that's easy to understand. So kickstart your morning. Start smart with Start Here and ABC News, because staying informed shouldn't feel like a chore. Hi, 
I am so excited for our doubleheader tomorrow night on ESPN. The 76ers, they take on the Boston Celtics. Remember, so far, this is a 1-1 series in the regular season. And then we have Jokic and the Nuggets facing Kevin Durant and the Suns. Our coverage begins with NBA Countdown at 7 Eastern on ESPN and the app. I want to focus a little bit on the first game of our doubleheader because it feels like even though Joel Embiid was out against the Toronto Raptors, we saw another great performance from Tyrese Maxey, and we've seen these guys all season long, this two-man game be on full display. Brian, why do you think Tyrese Maxey's ascendance has been one of the biggest stories in your eyes this season? Because it cements, you know, Joel Embiid's status, you know, as a Philadelphia 76er. Let's remember back in August, he gave that interview where he said, I want to win a championship whether it's in Philly or someplace else. It was like the first ringing of that bell. And then they trade James Harden after a standoff for, you know, trade fodder and role players. But look what Tyrese Maxey has done. He's been so terrific and is such a great compliment to Joel Embiid and raised his game so much. Nobody is talking about Embiid being anywhere but a 76er. It's taken that stress totally right. out of the equation. The 76ers are completely focused on what they can accomplish this year. Harden is gone. We don't even really know his replacement yet. And they're still in it as a serious championship contender. That's because of Maxi. Embiid's playing like an MVP. That's what he does. But this is a huge development for the 76ers and really the whole league, especially in the wake of Giannis Antetokounmpo signing that extension. It's almost like Embiid signed an extension because Maxi's been so good. Mm. Tyrese Maxey shot 30% from three as a rookie. It looked like it might be a liability in his game. Nope. Last three seasons, 43%, 43%, 40%. He didn't just become a good three-point shooter. He became an elite three-point shooter. And when you put that together with his speed, it gives him and Joel Embiid like infinite options for how to play together. In every game, they're learning new stuff. Tyrese Maxey isn't like James Harden. He's faster. He's not as deliberate. And they're learning how to leverage that. And they just killed this little handoff action. The Lakers just didn't know what to do with it. You can't go under the screen because Tyrese Maxey will just kill you with threes. Like, and you go over it. Okay, let's run it again. Look at the through the legs pass. Joel Embiid's getting his Chris Webber on over and over again. It's a way to go back and forth, bob and weave. And then accelerate they're learning their chemistry a little bit more every yep. game this dude is a superstar and he's going to make the all-star team and he might make an all-nba team tyrese maxi has certainly been important to the 76ers to the point that we are talking about them in that upper tier with the boston celtics maybe even more so than the milwaukee bucks with so many question marks there's a lot of season left to be played here but the 76ers have been one of the pleasant surprises of the season thus far all right gentlemen still to come on our show the lakers they look good last night but back-to-backs They've been a recipe for losses so far this year. Does anyone in our studio think they're going to beat the Oklahoma City Thunder? That's next. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, 
and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. It's V Week at ESPN when we partner with the V Foundation to highlight the urgent need for cancer research. This is game-changing research that helps save lives. You can join the fight against cancer by visiting v.org slash donate. 100% of your donation goes directly to cancer research. It is time for Setting the Pick, brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. That record-setting night. LeBron James, last time they faced the Thunder, the Lakers, they're in OKC tonight for the final stop of a four-game road trip. It's also the second night of a back-to-back -back for the Lakers. They're one and two in those on the season, but the Thunder, they've been beatable at home, five and four home record. Perk, who you got in this one? I actually got the Lakers. I'm rolling with the Lakers. You know what? I'm ready to see Anthony Davis go against Chet Holmgren. I feel like AD finally has someone that he's actually that he weigh more than it, and he's gonna impose his will. And I, you know, <laughs> LeBron. You're going with Lakers. <laughs> Who are you going with, Zach? Yeah. Thunder. That's oh, thunder. I thought that was like a work. Okay, it's, the, it's thunder. Thank you. I thought yeah, she was okay, see, I don't, I don't think they have an answer for Shea. I think Shea goes off. I think the does. Thunder are gonna treat Ooh. this like a very important statement game for them. Well, two for Thunder, mm. one for the Lakers. The question is, who are you picking? Get the ESPN bet app and get started. New customers get $200 in bonus bets once they place their first sportsbook bet with ESPN bet. Hey, before we bounce, we have some great news to report. Bronny James. He has been cleared by his doctors for a full return to basketball. According to a statement from the James family spokesperson, Bronny will have a final evaluation with USC staff this week, resume practice next week, and return to games soon after. Fantastic news for Bronny James and his family. Still to come on NBA Today. Hey, Big Perk, I hear you got a big list of big threes coming up in 60 seconds. NBA Today is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Welcome back to NBA Today. Today is 11-30-23, but to Warriors fans, it's Clay, Steph, and Dre Day. So, we've been waiting for this moment. Perk, it is your time to give the people what they want. It is time for Big Perk's big list of all-time best threes. Loosen the tie and get going, my friend. And you know it is. Did you miss me? I know it's been a minute, and I cannot have group participation because Hillary is in my ear telling me, Perk, I got to go quick. So, again, this is my list. Not Legs, not Malika's, not Wendy's, not Zach. Starting off at number five, big list of best big threes of all time. Bam! Running the Golden State Warriors, Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Four NBA championships. We're talking about arguably the greatest shooter of all time. Well, not arguably, is the greatest shooter of all time. Arguably the greatest point guard of all time is Steph Curry. Klay Thompson, Hall of Famer. 
Greatest, one of the greatest shooters of all time, and Draymond Green, one of the greatest defenders to ever play the game of basketball. And number four, run it, bam! I'm talking about the Lakers, and I'm not talking about A.D. Braun and D'Angelo Russell. I'm talking about Magic. <laughs> I'm talking about Worthy, and I'm talking about Kareem. Three NBA titles during the era when they was going back and forth with Bird and Mikhail and Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. And number three, run it. Bam! Here we go. Put it up there. The Chicago Bulls. Dennis Rodman. That one of the greatest rebounders, one of the greatest defenders of all time, Scottie Pippen, one of the greatest all-around players who ever touched the damn basketball, one of the best two-way players to ever play the game. And do I have to say his name? I got the J's on my feet if J was on that squad. At number two, run it, bam! Here we go again. The Boston Celtics, <laughs> Larry Legend. Kevin McHale hitting people on the post with the slithery eel, the up and unders. And then we have Robert Parrish. They call him the chief, not because of other reasons, but because he was holding the middle down. <laughs> this is the top four right now. And at number one, here we go. It's going to surprise a lot of people, but we're bringing it to Texas. Bam! The San Antonio Spurs. Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward of all time. Mano Ginobili. Arguably the greatest six man of all time. Tony Parker drafted it late in the first round and look what he turned out to be. One of the greatest point guards who ever touched the basketball, a finals MVP and a future Hall of Fame. Again, this is Big Perk List, my list of big threes all time. It's beautiful. Whew. Brian, what can the Warriors do to move I up that list? It. <laughs> win, win, win another couple titles, <laughs> apparently. Win a couple titles. Big perk. It's your list. It ain't our I list. You killed that, my friend. All right, mm -hmm. that's going to do it for us here on NBA Today. Enjoy tonight's yeah. games, and we will see you tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern. <sighs> Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? to vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu.